your news program every morning with up-to-the-minute news and extensive analysis of issues from Korea and abroad. This morning with Alex Jensen on TBS EFM. Now, for the first time, the White House is expected to issue an executive order calling for the United States to annually disclose civilian deaths by drone attacks against terrorists. That's according to a report by the Daily Beast, and we can now hear from the journalist behind that, Shane Harris. Good morning to you from Seoul. Good morning. And it's been uh, obviously widely circulated, this report. It's of great interest to many within the U.S. and outside. Can you tell us more about the executive order itself? Well, sure. This has actually been uh, an order that many people have been calling for, for more transparency from the administration. And what it will do uh, when, with regards to drone strikes is require a public accounting of the number of civilians that are killed outside of what is sometimes called the area of military operations. So we're talking here about drone strikes, not so much in areas where the United States is actively engaged in armed combat, but other countries like Pakistan, Somalia, and Yemen, where the drone strikes uh, are much quieter and not always uh, sort of more a part of what you might call a shadow war that the U.S. has been waging against terrorist groups. And so the military already does account for civilian casualties as a normal part of its operations. This is an effort to try and bring some of that kind of transparency to these other areas where U.S. operations are much more secretive, uh, but where many people say that hundreds of civilians have been killed uh, in drone strikes and in airstrikes as well. How precise can we be with this, uh, with the figures that are already compiled by the military? Well, the military comes up with its own figures in terms of where U.S. forces are deployed. But what we're talking about with these drone strikes, this is going to be actually a very controversial issue of uh, what the number comes out to be. What we're hearing is that the administration is going to say roughly around 100 civilians have been killed in these areas. That is dramatically lower than what a lot of human rights groups and others who pay attention to this uh, say is the actual death toll, which they would put at around 1,000, if not more. So once this order does come out and this accounting comes with it, what you're going to immediately see, I think, uh, is a debate over just these very questions of how precise can you be. Is the count accurate? What qualifies as a civilian casualty? And it's not clear that the executive order is going to reveal all of the, the kind of the rubric that went into coming up with this number. So I think that we shouldn't expect that once this comes out, that is uh, in any way going to be the end of the debate or even viewed by uh, human rights groups and others as, an, as a credible estimate. Right. Uh, how is that likely to affect U.S. operations? Obviously, the, the war on terror, as it's so often referred to, has itself been questioned many, many times. But there is no doubt a need for operations to combat those who would like to bring destruction upon the U.S., isn't there? How is this likely to affect that particular aim? I think that ultimately it's likely to make it harder and in some cases less likely that the U.S. will conduct certain strikes. I mean, right now, uh, I think it's fair to say that the administration has put a, a fairly high bar, actually, despite the fact that so many civilians have been killed, on when it allows uh, the military or the intelligence community to conduct some of these strikes. And they're very carefully attended by lawyers, and they're very carefully reviewed. I think the Obama administration <clears throat> has actually probably been moving in the, in, in the direction of putting 
more restrictions on these kinds of strikes. Now, that said, a subsequent president could come in and upend this executive order. Uh, it could, could, could loosen the rules. But I, I think that in the long run, what's happening is that you're seeing the rules becoming tighter and there being fewer of these kinds of strikes uh, rather than, uh, than more of them. Could, could this have global legal implications, even for the United Nations, for example, uh, which obviously has a lot to say about all sorts of countries' behaviour. But the idea, for example, of US drone strikes targeting the Taliban after the Afghan war, is, is that within the rules of engagement, for example? Well, it's interesting that you raise that. <clears throat> so I, mean, I think that there are those out there, uh, particularly some, some who are really opposed to the drone program, have said for many, many years that it actually falls outside the international law and that these are illegal strikes. It could be that the U.S. acknowledging civilian casualties in some of these areas perhaps does give some ammunition, if you like, to those groups who would like to challenge the strikes. I have to think that the administration's lawyers have, have pretty well tried to insulate themselves from that and think that they're on safe ground revealing the civilian strikes. But in many of these areas where we're operating, for instance, in Afghanistan, where we're not technically engaged in armed combat, the U.S. is conducting these strikes either with the permission of the host government or because they've determined that the host, that the government in question cannot do anything to counter to, to go get these terrorist groups themselves. So I think the administration feels that it is on pretty solid legal ground with this, even though politically these strikes are extremely controversial uh, and, and have been even before President Obama came into office. Indeed. Can we just go a little bit further into that? Because any of our listeners who've not been following the debate closely, on the surface, using drones uh, takes away the risk, obviously, to uh, U.S. personnel. Not only that, perhaps, in theory, they can be more precise. But how does it actually work in practice? Yeah, so the way this would work is if the U.S. was targeting an individual terrorist, let's say, or an individual that they had reason to believe is is a terrorist. We'll talk about the the not military strikes, let's say. Um, There's a set of guidance that has been developed, not all of which is public. Some of it may become more public uh, as parts of it as part of this executive order, whereby there's a series of tests that have to be met. Uh, Is there a reasonable certainty that the person you're targeting is a terrorist? What is the potential risk to collateral damage, which is to say how many civilians might you kill if you were to actually execute this strike? How necessary is it to do this strike? Could you achieve the same means of uh, objective of neutralizing the terrorists, but by other means, including potentially sending in ground forces? Um, And once, once all of these criteria are met, then the strike occurs. But we don't know. We have a general sense of kind of how that process works. But when it really gets down into the nitty-gritty of sort of what percentage of certainty or how far on the scale of certain you have to be, that we really don't know. And there are some people who are hoping as part of this executive order and some other additional transparency measures the administration is going to enact that we might have a better sense of it. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think it's fair to say that these are not strikes that occur just sort of willy-nilly. These are carefully reviewed. It does not mean that they're always accurate and that there are no civilian casualties. Um, but these are things that the uh, that the administration undertakes with a great deal of internal scrutiny. Right. Also, what does the humanitarian position have to say about those terrorists who deliberately embed themselves with civilians as a protective measure? 
Right. So what humanitarian groups would say and what I think that the, the U.S. would say as well is that when they uh, militants or terrorists or, or, or potentially even lawful targets who you know is the actual person you're targeting, sometimes you don't always know uh, that that's the exact person you're, you're aiming at. It just looks like it could be someone you suspect of being a terrorist because it fits that pattern. When they embed with, with civilians, there's a decision that is made as to essentially – to put it bluntly, how many civilians is it worth losing to get this one individual? And there is a threshold with an exact number I don't think we know. Um, but in many cases, the United States actually has called off uh, some of these airstrikes. We know, for instance, from reporting that uh, airstrikes that are going on in Syria right now, for instance, against ISIS or the so-called Islamic State, many of these airstrikes get called off because there's simply too much risk to the civilians with which ISIS has embedded itself. So it is a fairly common occurrence that the United States does not take the shot, if you like, because too many civilians would be killed. Right. We know there must be instances as well where it does do it, knowing that civilians will be killed, but it's worth the risk. How exactly they come up with the, the that, that equation is constructed, we don't know. But I think it's fair to say that the U.S. gives a lot of credence um, to this issue of trying to minimize the number of civilian casualties. It's not good enough uh, for many humanitarian groups, but I think it would be unfair to say that it totally disregards civilian welfare with these strikes. Yeah, obviously transparency itself has its limits, especially when we're looking at intelligence gathering, because the U.S. would not want to exactly <laughs> reveal to its enemies how it's going about finding them. But by the same token, you've raised question marks about exactly how accurate these figures are going to be. What about the process of transparency itself? Could it be affected by who the next U.S. president is? If, for example, Donald Trump was to take office, there is a global perception that everything's going to change. All the rules would be broken. That obviously can't happen, can it? Well, it would be very difficult, I think, for a future president. And, and Donald Trump has, has talked about sort of you know, uh, and from his perspective, you know, loosening the rules, it would be extremely difficult for someone to come in and just say disregard uh, risk to civilians. I mean, we, the United States operates under the law of international law and law of armed conflict, the Geneva Convention. These are very clearly spelled out uh, standards where you cannot just go in and do a strike without any regard to civilian casualties. I think a future president who who tried to throw those aside would find it very difficult to do so. I think his military advisors would caution against it and possibly even refuse to do the strike. But the question of transparency is an interesting one. I, I don't see that there's anything in a Trump administration that would lead us to conclude one way or another whether he would be transparent. He might actually want to uh, crow about the fact that he wasn't killing that many civilians. Who knows? I think what you would probably see with the Clinton administration is she would probably follow on with the standards that President Obama is going to be setting up. Because if you were to try and roll back those transparency initiatives, uh, it, it could look pretty bad. And I think yeah. Secretary Clinton would not try to do that. You have to be a Donald Trump to be able to stand up, uh, face reporters with that sort of scrutiny, don't you? I think that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much. Shane Harris, great to have you on the line with us. You bet. Thank you. Shane Harris from The Daily Beast. Our email still open to you, efmthismorning at gmail.com.